I want to just jump in and talk about how to be fruitful. How to be fruitful. It's interesting, by the way, I, I, when we started doing the gatherings, I never used to really, uh, I, it was not something I knew. It's not something we did in Nairobi Chapel. It's not something my spiritual father taught me. But as I began to do my research on what is it that causes churches to become movements, and what, are, what is God doing in movements across the world that we're not doing? Because I could see in East Africa, there were no movements. There are no movements where a church is multiplying virally and going across the world like the church in Acts and planting churches across the world and impacting people across the world. And I was like, Lord, I want that. That's what you've called us in our vision. How do we do this? As I began to study movements, I began to see some certain things that were very interesting uh, for me. And it actually began to, one, one of the things I realized is the place of teaching and impartation. Uh, in all the movements I saw, they have that. And one of my friends, uh, his name is Pastor Jimmy. He's actually here in Rongai. He has a phenomenal church. I don't know, Pastor, Pastor uh, George, you guys know Pastor Jimmy well. Pastor Victor, you guys have worked with him. He's a great guy. Uh, his church. What? Like, today if you thought we were making noise, you have no idea what noise is. Like, they're the most on fire people for Jesus I've, like, I've encountered. They are wild. So their church is full of young guys. Because his pastor Jimmy is a young pastor. So his church, if you look at the average age, they're in their 20s. He turned 40 last week. So guys in his church are 30s and 40s. Um, and very young, mostly a lot of college students, by the way. If you see the building they're putting up, and they've put it up cash, and it's just a radical passion for Jesus. Those guys are so raw on fire for Jesus. So when we began to learn about movements, he's one of the guys uh, I began to see, because he, uh, he learned about movements from Bishop Doug Hayward Mills, who I'd began to be influenced by. So I was like, let me go and learn about this guy. When I saw his church, first of all, you need you need a few days to recover from his church. You go to a service, you're still you're still vibrating. By the way, you come out of there. I've taken these guys. We've been there. Am I lying? Like, <laughs> like it's an insane church. I mean, you you actually have to just visit one day and see it. So, so anyway, um, I remember he said to me, the missing link for many churches is you don't we don't instruct enough. We don't teach as much as we should. Because Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And he's like, that's the business of the church. You just need to teach your people more. So he challenged me and said, I have four-day teaching sessions where my whole church just takes time from work and we just go to a campsite and we just teach for four days. He said, I know that's too hard for you, so do one day. And I remember I was like, Pastor Jimmy, I can't, I can't do a day. <laughs> I was like, I can't do a day. A day, that's too much. You don't know my nights. Uh, I was like, my, my people are posh. Uh, for them, even if someone goes over like 50 minutes, you can even th even 45, you can see guys already are looking at their watches. I was like, they can't do that. Pastor Jim was like, in fact, I'll even come and teach for you. Uh, call them for a day. I, and I remember at that point, I even told him, okay, I'll call them if you'll come. Um, so I made a, I, I, I told my pastors, all of us were so nervous, will anybody come? I mean, it's like asking guys in downtown, the cool church, how are they showing up, you know? But we did, we had about 150 people in November 21st. I'll never forget that day, by the way. November 21st, 2021. How many of you are there at Hill City, November 21st? Can you see? By the way, there, there are not a few who are there. We had about 150 people show up. And I remember just beginning, I didn't call him because I read the story of Deborah and, no, uh, Barak, and how he said, I won't go unless you go for me. And now she said, the blessing won't come to you. I was like, no, no, Pastor Jimmy, it's okay. I'll teach my people. So I taught, and we had four sessions. 
And of course, for you're sitting in church a whole day, that's tiring. So by afternoon, you could see, okay, it's not easy, we're, we're pushing through. But something began to shift. Like towards that third, fourth session, Phyllis, you were there. Do you remember something began to shift? It's almost like you could just sense the Holy Spirit was in the house. Then we had time to pray for people. Do you know that day, I think we, like, we started at Hill City at, I think, at, at, was it nine? It was eight, huh? We started at eight. I think we finished at six, because we had planned to finish at five. Like, I left church at eight. Guys were not going home. Like, nobody wanted to go home. That night, people had visitations from the Holy Spirit. A guy told me he spoke in tongues for the first time. Like, another guy stayed up the whole night with the Holy Spirit, just showing him things in his family. Like, people who don't talk like that. Cool Mavunites. Like, their lives were changed. And that was the first time I was like, oh my God, I didn't know this. And in fact, I repented. I told God, forgive me for doubting. You know? It's like... God had given me an instruction through this pastor and I had not even understood it. And so we started doing uh, uh, gatherings. And you know, every time, in fact, I remember when I was in Berlin, I told them, this time I was like, every time I pray with God, please show up this time. Because every time feels different. It's a different group, it's a different church. And I'm like, God, will you show up? Please, you showed up last time. I said, I've stopped praying that because God has shown up every time. Every time. So I told the guys of Berlin, don't worry, you stay. But I can tell you by evening, God will have shown up. And it will be different. Not because of me, but because I've seen him do it over and over. He's faithful. And in Berlin, I mean, and some of them might be watching this. Church is not, they don't make noise in church. In fact, when Kina Pastor Kevin would say, what a shock. You just see the whole church looking, eh? They're shocked. <laughs> Everyone's shocked. I, they are quiet people, eh? But let me tell you, by Gioni, like, we were hugging each other of tears. Like, there were tears in the church People were kneeling, being prayed for. It was so powerful. We are told, I think Pastor Daniel had told guys three. Because he was like, this mambo of telling guys five. Let, let me tell them three if we stay, if we go a bit further now. I'll, I can tell them when they show up, we might end later. Because he was like, if I tell them five, they won't show up. You, like, I think we finished at, did we finish at five? I think we finished at five. Seven o'clock, the church was still full. Like nobody wanted to go home. Because the Holy Spirit had come in such a special way. So I the next day, the church was full with those same guys. And then they came for the, you know, their services are like one and a half hours. Like by one, the church was still full. Guys were not going home. Like the Holy Spirit just showed up. And the healing that we experienced was just incredible. So I think what I want to just say to you is, God is in the house today. And I've come to just believe it's him. It's not me. So I'm, I'm just telling you, as you stay, as, you, as we tarry in God's presence today, some things are going to shift in your business. Some things are going to shift in your thinking like you've never experienced before. That's just been our testimony and what we've seen. And I really sense the, the expectation is in this house. Like of the gatherings I've gone to, by the way, South, there's an expectation in this house that I believe is beyond. Like I'm even trembling to think of what God is going to do because of the expectation that I sense is in this house. I feel like expectation is building in every gathering, but like this is the best one I've been to so far in terms of just people's expectations. Um, so I can't wait to see what God does uh, by the end of today. So this morning we talked about position for fruitfulness and how to position your heart correctly so that you'll be fruitful as a Christian. Now, I believe that everybody's in this room, your portion is to be 30, 60, 100 fold. There's nothing less. All of us, this is God's calling for us. You see, we're constantly in danger of being fruitful, fruitless. There's nothing the devil would want more than you to die a fruitless Christian. 
he would love that because he understands he couldn't stop you from becoming a Christian. But the best thing, the second best thing he can do is keep you from having fruit in your Christian life. Um, whether as an individual, as a campus, or as a discipleship group, the, the seed is always good. The word is always good. The problem is our posturing and the heart. So how do we ensure we're always fruitful and have fruit that will last? I want to just talk a bit about how. Because we talked about the fact that we must be fruitful. But now I want to just start talking about how to be fruitful. John 15 verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. But that's the very reason why Jesus chose us. That's why we are saved. That's why we are here. That's why you're a Christian. It's not so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and vibrate. That's not what it is. Uh, the reason that God has made you and called you to be his servant and his child and that you are here today is so that you can have fruit. And this fruit will last. So how do you position yourself? How do you begin to align yourself? How, how do you begin to practically do the practices that will lead to you bearing fruit? There are four keys to fruitfulness. And I really believe that these are things we're discovering as we go. Uh, somebody might even say, what's this new teaching that we're teaching? There's nothing new we're teaching. This is stuff that we probably knew, but we didn't have the language for. And we probably taught in the past, but we didn't know how we were. I mean, we didn't have the language for how we were putting it. So I don't think it's like Mavuno is discovering something completely new and moving away. We're not moving away from what we were doing. I think God has just given us tools to become more effective in turning ordinary people into fearless influencers. So, so what are these things that become the rhythms of a fruitful Christian? What are the things you want to see in your life, you want to see in your family's life, you want to see in your marriage, you want to see in your children? Uh, what are those things that you're praying for that you begin to see and begin to activate? And the four things are very simple. Uh, there are four Ps. is praying, is preaching, pastoring, and planting. That's it. That's what we do. And that's how we do it. It's just those four things. They're all in the scripture. Praying, preaching, pastoring, planting. And I'm going to teach you about each of them briefly uh, in this session. So I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42. And we're going to read a very famous scripture. This is actually the founding scripture of the church. The foundational scripture of the church. The first church that was ever formed. And the kind of fruit that this church had. Right from the beginning. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Um, can we read it together? This is just how we all, let's all read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Let's read this one together. It's the last verse. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, this, the four things, you'll see them in this passage. The first is praying. These guys were in a place of prayer. Why were they praying? Because Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And he told them to go to the upper room and to wait for this power. And so they went to the upper room 
And they began to pray. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. How long did they pray? They prayed for 10 days. Can you imagine praying for 10, not 10 days, like one hour every day? Daily. I don't even know if they were taking shifts, like you sleep now, let me wake up. Like daily, for 10 full days. Because the Bible tells us that uh, right from the time of uh, the Passover, when Jesus uh, was killed, until the time of the ascension, that was 40 days. Uh, and then it also tells us that the Holy Spirit came down upon them on the day of Pentecost. That was 50 days. So there's 10 days in between when all they're doing is just praying. Praying, praying, praying. And you know, it was interesting because one, one of the, one, in the early days when we were learning these stories about how do we become a movement, and I was telling people at Fearless, I got frustrated because all the great churches I was following and learning from, none of them was becoming a global movement. They were just becoming bigger and bigger buildings and bigger and bigger. And I was, but it's bigger building. Jesus never said, go and make a building. He said, go make disciples. Of what? Nations. All nations. So I was in that place where I was like, okay, Mafuno is a big church, but it's not, it's, it's not it. You know, you can sometimes, sometimes get substitutes and become very happy with the substitutes. It's very easy as a pastor to come and say, look at this, all these cars in the parking lot. Look at all these people whose lives are being changed. Praise God. Surely we're doing God's work. But in my heart, there was just that restlessness. No, 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 no. Jesus, you, he said, disciples of all nations. Why isn't it happening? So we started following these churches that are doing it and started learning some of these practices even, just seeing these things in Scripture. And one of the things Bishop Doug, who I just mentioned, Doug Hayward, he's a pastor of a church in, uh, in uh, Ghana called Lighthouse Chapel. You can read him up. Uh, it's a phenomenal church. There are 4,000 churches um, spread out in 90-something countries. And um, he is just an incredible leader. He, he, he's actually uh, going to be in Kenya in November, by the way. I think he's going to be in, in 17th. Huh? And till when? About three, four days. He's going to be thicker and nearer. So I'm planning to actually go and just listen to this guy. He's, he's an incredible leader. And, and the, the interesting thing he says he taught how when Jesus found his disciples asleep in the garden and he had told them to pray and then he found that they were not praying, they were sleeping. That he says something very shocking to them. He says, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Just one hour. Like Jesus was like shocked. Could you not watch with me for one hour? And <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> Bishop Doug says, any Christian who isn't praying for at least one hour a day? That's Jesus' response to you. What? What? You couldn't even pray for one hour? Seriously? And so he says, avoid giving Jesus shock. Every Christian prays for at least one hour. By the way, that's a day that my mind began to spin because I was like, what? I thought I was praying. And I, I mean, I did pray. I usually would take an hour for my quiet time. But typically, being the word-based Christian that I was, 40 hours minutes of that would be reading the word and journaling. Maybe even 45. Maybe I'm even flattering myself. Maybe, maybe even 50. Jackie, come on, please. Be nice. Stop this violence against your pastor. But it's probably true, by the way. It's probably true. Maybe even 50. And then I'd spend some time praying to finalize it. Bishop Doug was saying, no, 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 no. Pray for an hour as a Christian. And then he said, if you're a pastor, an hour is not enough. Because Jesus asked them, told them what? 
He went and prayed for an hour. Then came back, he found them sleeping. He went and prayed for another hour. Then he came back, he prayed three hours. So he said, if you're a pastor, for you, your portion is three hours. I said, hey, let me start as a Christian. <laughs> I can't handle this three-hour manenos. So I said, okay, let me start praying once. And I began the one hour. And I remember Apostle Moses Mukisa and his team from Worship Harvest, they were here. And he taught that as well. And I remember we were staying with them because we were staying in, one, in, a, in a place with them, with their pastors. And it was crazy for us because every morning they would wake up and pray for an hour. And us Mavuno pastors, we're still we're lying down and sleeping with, in the Lord, you know. We had a busy day of ministry. What time is breakfast? So I can wake up and pray. You know, it was so interesting. I decided to myself, you cannot outpray me in my own house because it was me who was hosting them. I said, I cannot have a guest come and outpray me in my house. So when I'd hear him waking up, I'd be up. I wanted to be walking around by the time he wakes up. He finds me praying. And then I remember that time the Lord said, okay, uh, challenge Mavuno. Uh, everybody needs to pray for an hour. And I remember when I challenged Mavuno, we pray 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning. What? Anybody who got a shock from that? It was a shock to the system. Eh? What? It's like, seriously? <laughs> pray for one hour? You know, it was so interesting because um, when I asked people to do that, 4.30 to 5.30, it's like, seriously? And I remember even at Berlin when we taught that, and I was even trembling in fear and trembling when I told them, by the way, Christians pray for an hour. And at Mavuno, we pray for 30 to 5.30. Um, because they, they would pray, but they were doing more of, they text each other in the morning and everybody prays. I was like, no, we pray together. There are some prayers in scripture and promises that are only for the church. Unfortunately, we've learned to read the scripture from a very individualistic lens so we think that those promises are for me. Read Jeremiah 29, 11. All of us, we've claimed that at one point or the other. I know the plans I have for you to prosper, says the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. That's how we read it. That scripture was never spoken to an individual. It was spoken to a people. The people of God. And almost every promise that we've claimed for ourselves in scripture was spoken to God's people. We've tried to atomize it and make it about me. And then we wonder why God isn't answering. But that promise was never for you. <laughs> you have to use the promise correctly. It was for his church. There's something so powerful that happens when we start praying together. Let me tell you, for Pastor Carol and I, we've seen answers to prayers we've prayed for many, many years being answered when we started praying with Mavuno Church. Even as pastors, we had lack of breakthrough. Because we were not understanding God's word is for his community. So this is why we pray, guys. When you start to pray together, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, abide in me. That one hour of prayer will give you so much power, you can accomplish much more because of that one hour of prayer than sleeping so that you can be fresh for that meeting. It's, and many of you, by the way, I'm not preaching. I'm preaching the choir, isn't it? Because many of you, you've seen it. You've seen it already. You've seen miracles. By the way, South, we call it the network of miracles. Because anytime I, every time I talk to guys of South, there's miracles everywhere. <laughs> yeah, every time. By the way, when I come to the when I talk to Pastor Angie, all she tells me is about, hey, in this meeting, we prayed, God did. We, it's like, and have you wondered why wasn't God doing those things before? It's because the promise 
was for his church. So you will never bear fruit by yourself. You will never bear fruit by yourself. You will not bear fruit by being an individual Christian. By the way, there are some things that happen. <laughs> this is so sad to say. There are some people who fast even 50 days. Just because of how serious they are about the issue. And you're even fasting 10 more than Jesus. And you're wondering, why am I not getting breakthrough? And then the same people show up for that one hour of prayer without even fasting. And God answers like this. True story. It's a shock. For me, it's been a shock to myself. I didn't even know. And I've come to understand, maybe I even carry some burdens I shouldn't. Maybe Jesus even fasted less than I fast. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm more spiritual than even Jesus intended me to be. Because I've, I've felt that if I beat my body and I do this and I younger myself and, and God will have to answer, and God is looking at me like, are you kidding? It was you can't manipulate me. It was never about you trying to be. Even the Pharisees were like that. These guys would tithe even their spices. As in none of us has reached that place of righteousness. Kachumbari, you're putting your kachumbari, you put tithe. This one is for Pastor Angie. <laughs> what? Like that's how, and they thought it was the more things they did, God would have to notice them. Too many Christians are living religion and making themselves miserable with religion, thinking that's what's going to cause God to be sympathetic to them. And God is just saying, if as one people, <laughs> speaking together, you do this one thing, nothing will be impossible for you. The promises of God are there. Where two or three gather in my name, I will be there. So what is this about you doing things by yourself and thinking Jesus is there? So we've individualized Christianity. And as a result, we're living a powerless Christianity. You know, if you go around the world and you look at the movement, you're going to find that they pray. I mean, I remember going to, uh, if you hear like any winner's chapel. Anybody ever seen a winner's chapel? That's one of those big movements. By the way, you should travel to Nigeria. I remember I was with Apostle Moses uh, yesterday. Uh, he was speaking to someone. He was saying, don't waste your time going to America as a Christian. Uh, to go see churches. Go to Nigeria. If you really want your faith to be... By the way, me, I even reached a place where I said, even Jerusalem is not where I'm going to go. If I want inspiration, I go to Nigeria. God is moving. In that place, they're crazy. I mean, we went to Winners Chapel. Winners Chapel will show you what a government in Africa is meant to be doing. Because in their thousand acres, those guys have created a city that runs properly. It has a university. It has petrol stations. It has TV stations. It has all the schools all the way from from primary to nursery. It has paved roads. It has suburbs. Huh? It's a place where you go and you're, huh? <laughs> but let me tell you, every Winners Chapel, they have, a, they have their miracle hour of prayer. Every morning, if you're part of Winners Chapel, you pray. And they come to church. Watch I here online. Here <laughs> Zoom. And they come and they pray. And God is showing them some incredible results. Globally. We drove the other side of, of Lagos. The other opposite side is, is RCCG. And that one, if Winners Chapel is shock, RCCG is laughter. You know, there's a place, there's something beyond shock. It's laughter. By the way, I'm going to Nigeria in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find, find, start preparing. If you've got your passport and you can start, start asking, trusting God for money. I want to go with some people from this, from this network. So talk to your campus pastor, by the way, because they're coming with me. So, so, Here's the thing that we did. You go to, by the way, even if I tell you now, you still want to come because I can't spoil it. You cannot give somebody like a spoiler for RCCG because there's nothing, even a video cannot prepare you for that place. 
it's not a thousand acres. If you ask them how big is it, they tell you we don't know. Why? Because they've been buying land every, pretty much every month. They just add to it. Um, it's massive. It's a city. All the things I talked about in Winners are there. Like they've got petrol stations, TV stations, water stations, power generation stations. It's a proper city. They have, I think, I can't remember how many churches uh, within that, that city. But their main church is the one that is three kilometers by three kilometers. Um, like three kilometers, like between here and the main road, I'm not even sure you've done a kilometer. It's probably like less than a kilometer. So think three kilometers by three kilometers. Can, I, can your mind even comprehend that? You can't. I mean, they use golf carts for offering. Because, um, I mean, by the time you're bringing your offering to the front, the service will have ended two hours ago. You try walk three kilometers. You can't even do it in half an hour. It's, it's a very long distance. Yeah. So you have to do golf carts. Uh, they have, it's just, it, like, let me just tell you, you laugh. When you hear their vision, you laugh. There's nothing of belief there. You just laugh. In fact, you have to say, God, forgive my unbelief, because everything they say is ridiculous. If you ask them what, they say this three by three is only just for now, because the vision of our founder is that our church will be bigger than Ibadan. Not the compound, the church. Ibadan, I need to just help you understand, is the second largest city by land area in Africa. So if you think Nairobi CBD is big, think, multiply that several times. And their structure is going to be as big as it. That's his vision. They have 50,000 churches in the world. I know. That's why I can't even tell you. You have to come with me. You see it. Huh? But here's a crazy thing. Like, they don't have... Like, I think the computing power of Mavuno Sava is more than the one in that city. Like, they don't have crazy systems. They just have prayer. Like, they pray. Those guys pray like nonsense. Like, I remember their, their founder. In fact, we were so challenged when we heard about their founder, Daddy Gio. Like, every, every evening, every evening, he prays from 11 in the night till 4 in the morning. Every evening. This guy is 80 years old. And he is as young. He's like Caleb. By the way, he's still at the front. He's still leading. He has so much energy. Every night. That place is full of, the city is just full of guys prayer walking. You can think they're night runners. They're just prayer walking around that city. The prayers of those people. And you're like, no wonder God is blessing them. There's a movement that's happening. Go to Yongi Cho's church. You've heard of uh, that church in, in, in Nigeria. Same thing. Every day. I used to think those guys were crazy because we had so many Koreans in our college, in our seminary when I was studying with Pastor Caro. But every morning you just hear the car door opening in the apartment where you live. And they come out with their children. There are no exceptions. You take your young children, you go to church from, I think it used to be 6 to 7 or 5 to 6. I can't remember which one. But every morning. Watch at the church in Korea. Even the ones who go to America, they still continue doing it. And you take plus your young. I remember one mama, you even have your baby crying. As you're waking, there's no choice. Ati, who are you crying about? We're all going to church. We all pray for an, all of them plus the children. You're like, no wonder. Yeah, what results are you seeing in your life right now? No wonder. This is what God does in response when people pray together. Notice what happens in this passage. They were praying in one accord. They were all agreed in prayer. This is why we meet at 4.30 and we agree in prayer over the things we pray about. I believe that that is a sacred space. And sometimes it's not even the power of the person praying or of the people praying. It's just that God's people are gathered in one language, in one accord. 
And God in that unity pours his blessing. And that's how it works. So don't rob yourself of fruitfulness by being prayerless. As a Christian, you need prayer as a foundation in your life. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the morning when it was still dark. Yeah, it's 6 o'clock, still dark, very dark. It's not dark. It's not. 4.30 is really dark. Whichever, whichever day of the year it is in this country, 4.30 is very dark. It's very Jesus-like to wake up like that. Huh? So, so, so this passage, huh? <laughs> I mean, I remember Pastor Kilonzi. I'm going to ask you to do this again. I, I kind of throw you under the bus every time. But Papa Kilo de demonstrated to the people, he's a, pastor of, he's a leader of the downtown network, and he had a chance, <laughs> he had a chance to demonstrate to his people in downtown how to wake up, how to be like Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just wake up to pray. So maybe you can just share with us. All right. So maybe you can get uh, Mark 135 in NKJV. Uh, I don't know whether it's there. Come on, come on. Anyway, it says now in the morning. Uh, Mark 135. Uh, all right. So now in the morning, having a long while, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to us, solitary praise, and there, there he prayed. Now, um, um, uh, um, there's a difference for, for so those of us who went to Maseno school. There's a difference. Bet oh, oh, yes, 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 I see you. You went to the school, eh? Anyway, there's a difference between, there's a difference between waking up and rising up. The problem is that most of us at 4.30, we wake up but we don't rise up. So, so, so if you're sleeping, and because I'm a man of exercise, I do the first sit-up of the day. <laughs> so if you're sleeping, and it's 4.30, uh, okay, of course, you know, your alarms have been ringing every five minutes from four. So now the last one has rung, and you're like, that's the last one. <laughs> At 4.30, most of us wake up, and this is how we do it. We, we first of all switch the alarm, we go to where the link is, we press the, the bit.ly forward slash south network phrase, and then you, you've woken up, eh? and then you roll over. And then Pastor Angie is on the other side saying, hey guys, welcome, I'm happy to see you. And then she says, put on your video, you're like, for who? She's, I thought you were here to seek the Lord's face, not my face. Unmute your mics. I, okay, maybe you even unmute. You say, okay, let me, let, I can, you know, that it's, you know, you unmute. And then adoration. You're like, hey, God, you're awesome. You gave me a good night. You're so great. The person on the other side, confession. Ah, oh, Lord, Lord, forgive me for sleeping. As we prayed. By the time you know it, you guys are at supplication. <laughs> and then, uh, 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 you, you, at some point, if you're lucky that day, if you're, if you're not lucky, you sleep and you pray in tongues called snoring. <laughs> Moans and groans that cannot be expressed. Now, if you're going to rise up, as the word says, 
Don't wake up. Rise up. The first thing you do is do your first push-up of the day. Hey. Put your feet on the cold floor. There's like a shock that gives your body. But at this point, you are on your way to victory. You're not that, yeah. But you're on your way to victory. Then rise up. Walk over to the bathroom. If your house is cozy, walk over to where the water is. If you have the option of taps, go to the cold section. If you don't have that, do bottom up. Do whatever. Wash your face. Mop it. <laughs> At this point, it's almost impossible to go back to sleep. But the verse says, and he departed. Departed. Now, there's a day I did all that. I woke a little bit earlier than my good wife. I did all that. And then as I was, you know, going back, I was like, ah, isn't this the wife of my youth? Why would I leave her? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I went back. You guys, we woke up at 6.30 after a long while. After daylight. So what you do is you depart. Leave the room. Tell the room I am in charge and I'm leaving you. In fact, spread the bed so that you have no temptation of coming back. Go to a place and there call on the name of the Lord. And if you are in the same room, at least say, I'll sit on a you know, chair, whatever it takes, I'm departing. And there, I call on the Lord. And this place is what you call your altar. Oh, come on. Does that help somebody? Are you receiving? Yeah. <laughs> now, by the way, that, that sounds basic, but it's actually true. If you don't take the steps Pastor Kilonzi has said, you're not going to actually participate. And I can tell you, in almost every network, I've had that opportunity to hear that snow. Guys, I just, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you guys have not heard in South? Me, I've heard. Me, I've heard in South, Tena. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> Which South? <laughs> I've had, I've had it, and I've had it in, I've had it in downtown. I've had it in Mashariki. I've had it in Hill City. I've had it. There's always that person, huh? South America. <laughs> so it's not your portion in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. By the way, if if you don't understand how important this is for you, it's so important. Even if it's not for you, it's for your children. Like, it's such, like, I can't sleep because my kids depend on me. Who's praying for your kids? If you think your children's pastor is praying for them, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> pastor Janet has enough issues of her own to pray for. And let me tell you, every day the devil wakes up with a plan for your kids, huh? And for your nieces and nephew. How dare you be asleep and hell is not asleep? So you need to get up. This is the only way you're going to assure that there's victory in your house. There's fruitfulness in your house. I love Job 1, Job chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. It talks about the man Job. And it says that this, his sons would have parties in the house and his daughters. And it says about this man that when a period of feasting had run its course, like he would even allow them to have parties in the house. But verse 5, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified early in the morning. He would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And then he says, this was Job's regular 
custom. Like he, worked, he just realized, these kids of mine, they need God. They could have sinned. So as people are doing confession prayer, first he prays for, his, he prays for himself, then he prays for his kids. He confesses their sin. He's like, God, pr- protect my family. I confess their sin. Don't let, the, the, don't, don't let judgment come upon my relatives. Because he understands nobody else is praying for them. So this prayer thing is so critical for you as a Christian. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. 430, by the way, is not an option for you as a Christian and as a part of this house. It's not. Don't make it an option. And get up. Get up. Pastor Kilonzi has told you, Pastor Angie, why there are no videos on in South. Mutaniambia South America, nikisema hivo. Munajua ni kweli. Yeah. I was there even this week. The whole prayer meeting, there were 60 people. There were eight videos on, including mine. Yeah. Because people are, they have woken up. <laughs> they woke up. <laughs> but they have not risen up. They have ri- some have risen but not departed. <laughs> so follow the steps. Let's pray together. By the way, guys, if you understand this, even as a young person, even for the students in this house, this thing is not optional. This is your secret to fruitfulness. And the earlier you start, the more fruitful you will be. Uh, don't wait until you're older, then you can start to do these things of God. Right now, as a student, join those prayers. I'm proud of my kids. They join, it, they join with us every morning. It's not an option in the Moravi household, by the way. We all wake up and we all pray. And I tell them, now you're of age. I can't pray for you. You need to pray for yourself. I can tell, I tell them, I may pray for you, but who's praying for your children <laughs> that you're going to have? Who's praying for, you know, there's too many things I can't, and even me, I have issues of my own. So you need to pray for yourself. So this is something that I believe, I really am praying will become a culture for all of Mavuno Church, that prayer will be our language. I encourage us to fast. By the way, I fast once a week, and every Thursday, and many of my pastors, uh, most of them have a day of fasting. Let's do it. We don't ask you to fast all the time. By the way, you'll never hear me calling for a 50-day fast. It's not, it's not in the Bible, so here, don't do it. <laughs> yeah? But at the beginning of the year, we do a 21-day fast. Um, every season, we do at least a 7-day fast. By the way, I don't think you need to contort yourself. This is not religion. Just join with one accord with everybody else. And those breakthroughs you're, you're seeking, you will find them in that place. So this is how we begin to become fruitful. Number two, preaching. Number two, preaching. When the Holy Spirit came, something amazing happened. Peter preached the gospel. He shared the gospel. The reason for the Holy Spirit is that you can be rich. So that you can have great marriages, right? So you can speak in tongues and lie in church and receive, just vibrate. That's not what the Holy Spirit is given for us. The Holy Spirit is given so that you can be witnesses. The power you're praying for is so that you can be a witness. This is why you're here on earth. That's the sole reason Jesus left you on earth. You know, it's interesting because the Bible tells us, yes, Peter preached, 3,000 came, but it tells us later on in verse, uh, towards, the middle, towards the end there, it says that people were added daily, 47. People were added daily. So the 3,000 came at first, but after that, people were being added daily. That was not Peter's work. It was the people's work. 
everybody was calling their neighbors. Everybody was reaching their family members, their children. And people were being added daily to this movement of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting because this thing called evangelism, it's, it's so, we so misunderstand it. We often think of it as just this thing for serious spiritual believers. For Pastor, Pastor Angie type people, you know? The guys who, Pastor, Pastor Grace type people. Uh, those people who tell you when I was CJ, I was sitting at, at CJ's and I saw this Somali guy. And I, that's Pastor Grace. That's how she flows. Huh? So, so, so you're like, hey, that, those are things for people like Pastor Grace. But you don't understand that this thing is your lifeline as a Christian. It's your purpose. It's why you're here. It's actually how you bear fruit. By sharing, by impacting people's lives for eternity. And, you know, it was interesting. I was reading this parable of the, lost, the, the rich man and Lazarus. And this guy actually dies and goes to hell. He's been living his life thinking that the Holy Spirit was there for him to become rich, uh, to have a big business. So he dies and he goes to hell, unfortunately, because he, does, he didn't know he didn't know to accept Jesus. He goes to hell. And in hell, he's able to see heaven. Now, me, I didn't know this. Some things the Bible says that are ridiculous. You're like, oh, you can see heaven from hell. It's a suffering. <laughs> me, for me, what I thought is, you know how like they have like... Um, they have Lovington, and then they have Lovington View. You know those houses, guys say, I live in Lovington View. <laughs> Instead of telling guys, I'm in Kawangware, lakini tunahona Lovington kutoka nyumba yetu. So the guy is in hell, but he can see Heaven View. There's Heaven View apartments. He's there seeing Heaven View. And in heaven, he sees, he sees Abraham. He sees Father Abraham, who for any Jew was like, this is the person who is my ancestor. Everybody wants to see Abraham. He saw, but then he sees the beggar who was outside his gate, is actually hanging out with Father Abraham. And first of all, he's so annoyed. Like, how can this guy be with Abraham and I'm here? And he says to Abraham, please send the beggar to come. Send Lazarus to come and bring me some water. He can see guys drinking sparkling water from heaven. And he's like, me that water. Can you just send him at least he brings me a bottle uh, with some ice? <laughs> and then Abraham tells him that's not, not how things work. But you know, there's a thing he says that really is, if it's heartbreaking when you think about it. Because he says, then please, the one thing I would beg for, could you send him to go talk to my brothers? Like they don't know, they're all coming here. Could you send him now to go talk to my brothers? And Abraham says, you know what, eh? even if someone comes from the dead and goes, they will not accept. Now Jesus, of course, is telling the story about the fact that he will die and resurrect and people still will not believe in him. But... The thing for me that breaks my heart is the rich man had all the opportunity while he was alive to preach to his brothers. But he didn't know. He didn't know. Right now, there are people in your family who are not born again. They are siblings. They are cousins. They are uncles and aunties. Maybe some of you, it's your parents. They're not born again. The, the greatest anguish in hell, apart from personal anguish, is the anguish of knowing your loved ones are suffering the fate of hell. There's no other regret. It's a life and it's an eternal regret that the people close to me are hell, a godless eternity. And yet, here is my opportunity. Like I'm on earth for them. You're not on earth for yourself. Who are those people that God has put in your life that you should be praying for? That you should constantly be asking God to open their eyes. You should constantly be inviting them to church. Constantly be inviting them to places where they'll hear the gospel. You have an opportunity to let your loved ones know that Jesus loves them. Maybe we're too busy today, but like the rich man, we've misplaced our priorities. 
we don't actually know why we were put on earth. And Romans chapter 10 verse 14 tells us how will they know the one they've believed uh, the, the one they have not believed in? How can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? It's like Paul is just building this logic. He's like, look, they will never get saved unless someone opens their mouth. Yeah. Afmo says something very profound. He says, that saying that is sometimes attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, that preach the gospel at all times, uh, use words where necessary. And he says, that's a message from the pit of hell itself. St. Francis of Assisi never said that. Uh, use words if necessary. The Bible says, how will they understand if someone doesn't preach? Yeah, somebody has to preach. And so we must share the gospel. We must learn how to share the gospel because we are God's plan A. And how do we do it? I think this is a funny thing. I, I've just realized you always, it always goes back to prayer. Prayer is the first place for evangelism. Put that person on your hit list and just begin to pray. By the way, if you pray for them long enough, you'll be shocked what God will do. I wish Pastor Carol was here. She, I, I love sharing my stories when she's here because she's been part of every one of them. But for a long time, my relatives were not believers. Uh, most of them. So we prayed. We prayed for years. 20 years. That's one of my relatives. <laughs> 20 years we prayed. And it's like Jesus saved. And sometimes you'll be like, how will Jesus save these ones? You're just like, Jesus just save. Save, save. By the way, today, many of those relatives are leaders in the church. They're pastors. They're here. They're actually servants of God. Annie, that prayer you're praying will accumulate until when they get saved, they can't just become an ordinary Christian. My bro, Mutahi and his wife, they're here serving as well. Yeah. They're all pastors. I think they just stepped out. But they're all pastors. And I really believe it's because we prayed, 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 prayed. And I just feel like the prayers were just... To the place where when it was finally answered, it was just like a damn broke. Nowadays, they say things and I'm like, hey, Jesus told you that. I mean, the things Mogore says and you're like, me, even me, Jesus has never told me that. Like, God just accelerated them. Listen, this is your role. There are people you need to be praying for. Those children in your family, it's your job to pray for them. That the day they get saved, they're going to serve God in such powerful ways. And that's what your prayer does. But number two, prayer is also the best way of evangelism. This is something that was such a surprise for us to learn. That you can actually ask people for prayer. Prayer is the language of Christians. So many times we keep it among ourselves. Pastor Zedi, how can I pray for you? That's what you tell another Christian. We never tell non-Christians that. It's like you've got this superpower, but you're not using it to save or to help the people. So how can, do they, can they even tell you believe in what you're saying? Because if you believed, you would use it for them. And so I've learned to just be able to say to people, how can I pray for you, brother? And let me just tell you, if you do that in the office, become a prayer supplier. Just find people who need your boss. He's stressed. The reviews are coming up. They don't know where they're left from their right. They're going through stress. Just say, boss, I'm going to be praying for you this week. I'm really trusting God. In fact, our church is doing a fast. I'm going to spend some of that fasting time praying for you specifically. By the way, I've never had a person tell me, don't pray. Me, I don't believe in prayer. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, go ahead. And then when I pray, and many times I ask God, give me the courage to say, can I pray for you right now? And many times, by the way, again, I've never, I've very rarely had a person tell me, no, don't pray. Usually they're surprised, but they're like, oh, no, like here. Right now, yeah, here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we'll just take a minute. And I don't weird them out. I just say, okay, Jesus, I just want to thank you because, and I just pray. But I've learned to pray very daring prayers because I like putting God on notice. He does miracles for non-believers. When Jesus did his miracles, it was thought we can believe. So I've, I say, Jesus, here's your chance to do a miracle for this one. 
And I pray in such specific ways as they get, as they apply for that job, as they do this review, Lord, I'm asking that you will so distinguish them. Even them, they will know you're with them. And Lord, I pray that by next week when we speak, they will have such a testimony to share with me that will glorify you in their lives. And they're like, okay, amen, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and the next week I follow up. By the way, what happened? You guy. By the way, when I leave that place, I'm like, Jesus, you better do it. You better. Don't embarrass us here. We're your servants. Show up. But he does. Because that's who he is. And then I go and ask, by the way, what did Jesus, what, what happened? And they're like, man, it went so well. I'm like, huh, God loves you. That's all I do, by the way. And you know what? That's just how you plant a seed. And many times you're going to find as you keep planting that seed, as you keep sowing prayer, what's going to happen is it gives you an opportunity now to say, by the way, this is a, in fact, this I've learned from my wife. My wife is such a good evangelist. Because she doesn't try to do evangelism. She just is herself. And so she'll tell somebody, by the way, there's a meeting. Hashi doesn't even do small, small. You know that one of come to South first, then join a DG, then we'll ask you for prayer. Pastor Kara is not like that. She's like, we're doing a 21-day fast. Eh? Can you join me? <laughs> But they have heard us saying this to non-Christians. I'm like, are you crazy? And they're like, hey, how do you do it? And by the way, people fast with her because they want results. She tells them, by the way, there's a 4.30 prayer. I'll send you the link. Eh? Join us. There are miracles happening there. Non-Christians join prayer because Pastor Caro invites them. So just invite your people into the spaces. See, you believe God is there and he's doing miracles in your prayer meeting. Invite them to come. But that day, you better have your video on. <laughs> Don't let them hear Pastor Angie say that you put on videos and they're seeing yours is off. They will believe you don't believe what you're teaching, you know? They, they will learn disobedience from you. So do it. Do it. I mean, I remember when we went to the Mashariki team to Kampala. We went to a big team and the Mashariki, their students were there. Pastor Milton has like an internship that he does. Such a good man. Yeah, that's Pastor Mills there. And uh, he's raising serious pastors with teenagers. Huh? And those teenagers, as we were just talking, one of the evenings they went out then they came back with a story of, we found this Muslim uh, facility that was selling, I think, was it Rolex? They were selling Rolex. So as the lady is selling us, we say, can we pray for your business? And the lady's like, she can tell she's in her buis. So she was like, pray for me. So they prayed. And the, the woman was so happy. Like she served them. She, it's like she was so excited that they prayed for her. They were in shock. Like how much appreciated she appreciated it. And she actually told them, please come back tomorrow and pray for my family. Can you believe it? Like she's like, I'll bring my family. You come tomorrow so you can pray for us. Isn't that fearless? Yeah. And you know, the thing, there's another thing I like about young people. By the way, young people hear God's word and they run with it. As adults, we hear it and we process fast. <laughs> there are some young guys sitting at the back. Today, as we leave this meeting, they will find somebody and say, how oh, can I pray for you? And there's some Moses, yeah, I can see them at the back, by the way. And there's some Moses here who next year, January, when we're doing, we doing another gathering, they'll be like, yeah, I heard about this thing. I've been praying about it. Yeah, don't process. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, don't, yeah processing is for computers, yes. Proverbs 11.30, listen to this scripture. It's a very powerful scripture. Because we're talking about fruitfulness, isn't it? It says, is it up there? Oh my gosh. Let's read it together. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and the one who is wise oh my gosh. There's no other fruit. It's people's lives. Save lives. Save lives. That's the fruit of the righteous. That's the reason when you go to heaven, by the way, you will find people there who, you, who went before you because you were there. 
That's going to be the net impact of your life is people who are saved. The only thing that will go with you is into eternity is God's word and people. Those are the only two things that will stand the test of eternity. Everything else, it's a tool to help you do those two things. Even that car is just a tool to help you do those two things. So if you go to heaven and you had big cars and you don't have those two things, you're a poor person. You learn to heaven very poor because you don't actually have fruit. You don't have the fruit of the righteous. If you're righteous, the evidence is people saved. I realize, I just discovered this thing, and I know I'm a bit, I'm going to date myself here. I'll show you how out of touch I am. I, I realize my Android phone, uh, the, 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 the thing called um, contacts, you can, actually do, uh, you can actually do groups, almost like WhatsApp. You can actually do like uh, group, the con like I didn't know. Imagine I was discovering this last month. Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm embarrassing you guys. <laughs> but what I started doing now is going through my net, through my phone and just put in there, led to Christ. I put a group called led to Christ. People have led to Christ, like personally, led to Christ, led to Christ, led to Christ. Oh my God. Let me tell you, there's no greater joy. And many of those people are still walking with Jesus. And I've led them to Christ over many years. Some of them are leading churches. Some of them right now are leaders, leading great families. And I led them to Christ. I, me, I led them to Christ. Which one? Pastor who? Oh, this guy there. You need to enter my phone book. <laughs> What's your name, sir? David. Imagine. Led. Ah, it's so good. Because that's eternity. That's actually eternal currency. It, that's what treasure, that's what it means to invest in things that really last. Jesus says, put your treasure where moths cannot destroy. This is treasure. Yeah, when I enter heaven, I have a fat bank account. And it's not because I'm a pastor. By the way, me, I speak to people. I lead them to Christ. I have conversations. Pastor Grace is also a good, she also talks to people. Yeah, she leads people to Christ. And those people, I'm telling you, I don't do this because I'm a pastor. I do it because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. This is fruit. If you want fruit, you have to share the gospel. You have to align your life with sharing the gospel. Anybody who's close to you who's not saved is the reason you're here on earth. Yeah, it's why you're here. Those employees, by the way, some of you are so good at this because even your employees, you've started a fellowship at your office. Uh, your, 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 your business people, I know Edge does that. And I know others of you who do it in your businesses. Yeah, I love it because it's like God gave me this business so that these people can come to Jesus and walk and be discipled. That's a, that's a key reason. By the way, when you get to heaven, God will not look at the bottom line and say, hey, you had a profitable business. No, no, the profit of your business was how many people came to Jesus because of this business. That's it. That's it. Many of us will have bankrupt businesses in heaven because your business never brought anybody to Christ. Who has come to Jesus because of you? Let me just ask you right now, if you had to put that list, are there any names in your mind of, yes, at least this one? Uh, this one I know. And if, I, if they ask, they'll also say it was me. So who is that person who's come to Jesus because of you? Number three, pastoring. Number three, pastoring. The third key to fruitfulness is about pastoring, which really has to do with discipleship. It's another way of, it's, I think we, uh, when, when Apostle Mo put this together, he was just looking for peace. Uh, but another way for it is discipleship. Uh, make, helping people to become like Jesus. That's the other key. Sharing my life with other people so that they become like Jesus. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.3 2, uh, 2, uh, uh, Paul talking to Timothy says, uh, my son, he says, 
teach these things, the things you've heard me say in the presence of witnesses, and trust reliable people that they can teach others. Then he says, and the things, okay, so yeah, in 2-2, two, two, he says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And you know, it's very interesting because he's giving us content and context. What do you teach a disciple? How do you make a disciple? He, Paul says, teach them the things you've heard me say. So basically, the way you teach your disciples is teach them the things that your discipler has taught you. That's how it works in the kingdom. It's not rocket science. It's not like you have to go and do BSF for five years or do to go to Bible college for CG how many years. No, no, no. Teach them what you had your pastor teach you. Teach them what your, your, your discipleship group leader taught you. Teach that. There is an anointing in the word that God has in the house for you because you're part of that house. Every word shared is an opportunity for you. If you have disciples, what do you do? The people that you're helping to become like Christ, take that word, break it down for them. So for us, whatever we're learning in church, we take that, talk to our kids about it, and we help them grow, and we help them apply that word, that particular word, because it's a word for us as a family. So that's the, con the content. But then the context is the thing I really like, because they say, the things you've heard me say in the presence of of other witnesses. What is Paul talking about? He says, he didn't say the things I taught you. He says the things you've heard me say. For you to hear someone, you have to be in the same space with them. There's something called context. That I was close enough that I heard you say this thing. And because I was there, something changed. So, that, so Paul is saying, listen, I want you to teach the things you hear your discipler saying to you and teach them to the people that are following you as well. You know, pastoring is not rocket science. And, and let me just say this. Um, when you, it's, it's, it's helping a person follow you as you follow Christ. So this is what I tell my team here. Because the, the people who are introduced as our executive team, for Pastor Kara and I, these are our disciples. You know, you heard how Pastor Angie said, this is my family. It wasn't a cool word. It wasn't a coward of, you know, we're tight to Napendana. No, no, no. She actually means these are our spiritual children for Pastor Nick and I. This is our family. She actually meant it in that context. So we've had to change our relationships and say, you're not my employee. You're my spiritual son. You're my spiritual daughter. And it's such a powerful thing because my only role, the thing that I want is for Pastor Faith and Kevin to become like me as I become like Christ. I know, by the way, if they just do that one thing, their lives will completely be changed. They're going to become everything that God wants them to be. It's so crazy because that's how Jesus modeled it. He, told his, he said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the Old Testament. He didn't say that, did he? He said, teaching them to obey everything that who has commanded, that I have commanded. You know, it, for a Jew, that would have sounded very, almost sacrilege. It's like, why teach what you have commanded? Why not teach what God has commanded us, all of us, through his word? Jesus says, no, 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 no. Teach what I have commanded. Paul, who is Jesus' follower, he tells Tim, uh, his follower, the things you've heard me say. He doesn't say the things that Jesus said to his disciples. He says the things you've heard me say. That's what I want you to teach others. That's how discipleship works. It's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Without that, there is no discipling. If you are not following somebody, you are not a disciple. 
Remember I said we've all individualized Christianity. And we said, I'm, all, I'm following all of us. I mean, I'm just following Jesus for myself. Paul is saying to Timothy, no, 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 no. no. I'm not saying follow Jesus. I'm saying follow me as I follow Christ because you're my spiritual son. It, it, it's, it's just a, something, again, I didn't know. I never used to know this. So many times I, I saw Pastor Oscar as my boss. I saw him as a good man, somebody I loved being with. I was his PA. <laughs> but I never understood that God had called me to be his son spiritually. And the day that revelation came to me, my goodness, it's made a huge difference in my life. Because I postured myself as a son. And I began to honor him as my father. I began to honor him as the prophet God has put in my life. I began to take the word he says to me as God's word for me. And I can tell you, it's, it's, it's shocking. Yesterday I was with a pastor from a church that came out of Nairobi Chapel even before us. And he had me teach about following and some of the things I do with Pastor Oscar. And he said, I'm in shock. Like, I've never heard you talk like this, and I didn't know that's a relationship you have with Pastor Oscar. Because he said, all of us left at the same time. So I assumed we're all employees. Like, I mean, we're all, he's a good man. He's our boy. I said, no, no, no. That, that changed for me. And he said, I understand so many things now about your life. Yeah. I told him, here's a crazy thing about me. Because of my posture towards Pastor Oscar, I'm more his spiritual son than even the pastors who work in Nairobi Chapel. Yeah. I'm not even, by the way, it's a truth. But you know what has made him? I've, I have postured myself as his son. I've chosen, I'm following this one as he follows Christ. And you know what has happened? Because God has given such powerful anointing in that man's life, all the blessings I've seen in his life have come into my life. And then they have come to the people who are my children. So that's the way it works in the kingdom. It doesn't work any other way. Like I said, we have received an individualistic Christianity that has destroyed our ability to be disciples. And then we wonder why the church in our part of the world has no impact. You look at Kenya and you ask which global movements of churches have come out of Kenya or East Africa. They haven't. Why is it that Winners Chapel is in 96 countries? RCCG is in 100 and something. And, there's, and church has been here for 100 years. Same time it got to them. There's a problem. And it's because as East Africans, we don't follow. We don't. You let me tell you, I'd hate to be a president or an elected leader in this country. I'd hate it. Even the new ones, they've come in with a lot of idealism. I'm coming to serve people. Let them be first hit by the hate that we have for our leaders. Anything they do will be scrutinized, assessed, and they will be judged. And they'll be like, you corrupt MPs. By the way, even the new ones now, we're saying, in Kenya, if you ask about your MPs, they say, they're all corrupt. We just elected them the other day. Which time have they had to be corrupt? But we've already judged them all. So you know what happens? It's a prophetic word. We call it out every time. We call out corrupt leadership. We call out bad leadership. And that's what we have. And that's why we don't advance. In the Nigerian church, they learned to follow. And, you know, I, I started realizing, I used to think that Nigerians, the reason they are planting churches so fast is because they're reaching uneducated people. Honestly, this is my confession. I say this not with pride. I was actually, I'm ashamed that I thought this. I, I used to look at Mavuno as a big church, and I'd say, the reason these two CCG guys are planting everywhere is because the people they're reaching are not the same level. Look at the level of people I'm reaching. Hmm? One day, the Lord shocked me when I began to realize, I was called by Pastor Obaseke to train her leaders. And as I'm just training, as you're asking somebody, you, what do you do? And these are her pastors who are planting churches. 
So I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a head of CG, which company? I lead this company that has how many brands? I'm like, these are not poor people. Go through RCCG and you'll find globally across the world, it's professionals who are planting those churches. So it has nothing to do with economic uh, standing. It has everything to do with an inability to follow in this part of the world. But that is not our portion in Jesus' name. I believe that everybody in this house, God is calling you to follow your discipler, but also he's calling you to ask other people to follow you. Call people to follow you. God has given you the discipleship group that God gives you to lead. Don't just be a facilitator. Tell them, follow me. Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to take some faith from you to believe that people will follow you. Imagine they will. And they will become Christ-like because they follow you. Not because you're a perfect leader. I don't compare myself with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I can't. That man is a great man. I don't compare myself with, 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 with Doug Hayward Mills. I can't. I'm not even in the same. I'm not even worthy to untie the sun. And I don't say this with any. I don't compare myself in that. I don't put myself in that range. But you know what? There's a blessing that God has, will give to you as part of this church through me that you will not get through those people. And I say this with humility because it's something I didn't even know myself. And as a result, I feel like my children, didn't, they didn't grow. They didn't become who God was calling them to be. I've repented since. And I've said, Father, I'm going to call people to follow me as I follow you. That's how it is. When you're put in charge of that discipleship group, it's not you who appoints yourself. Jesus appoints you. And when those people come, you can tell them to follow you because you're not the one. It is God who gave you that position of authority. So I believe that God wants us to make disciples. Follow me. And here's the thing about it eh, that's so beautiful. It's as we go. It's not saying add another job to your already crowded life. It's saying bring them into what you are already doing. So I don't, I mean, these guys, they, they come to my house. They just do, I mean, we had Pastor Kelonzi and Faith, was it yesterday? And they had come and it was Friday. So if you come to my house, Friday is family night. It's the time I hang out with my kids. So if you visit and you're one of my disciples on family night, I'm like, we're not, you will not get attention from us because it's family time. So we're going to talk there with the kids. We're not chasing the kids away because you've come with big agendas. If we're watching a movie, to town Pamoja. Because this is our time. So they just join us in what we're doing. And you know what happens? Many times you catch things in the context of that informal following that you'd never catch in a class or a lecture or a meeting. So just invite them in. And don't try and make your house nice. If your house is always bad, let them come to the house the way it is. Yeah. It's a crime scene. If your house is a crime scene. Maybe they'll even help you be the ones to clean. They'll be the ones to help you clean it. No, it's true. Some of you, you're a young mom. And God is calling you to be a disciple maker and to lead a DG. How do you do it? They have to come and understand you're a young mom. In fact, just tell them, come early so that you can help me clean the house. Yeah. I can't, I can't now be breastfeeding and I'm leading you and then I'm also the one cleaning the house. Come and join me in what I'm doing. If at home we eat beans and rice, that's what you're going to eat. Unless as R&B, we have R&B. <laughs> yeah. You'll come and have R&B with us. Or, if you guys want, bring something to add to the R&B so that we have more. But as long as that's what I'm eating, by the way, I remember one person in Rwanda when I shared that, she was so relieved because she couldn't host DG because she didn't have food. And I said to her, just have groundnuts and popcorn. She was like, seriously? I was like, yeah. We had DG that week. In fact, it was so funny because she had hosted once and she had gotten a caterer. And it was so exhausting. She said she never wants to host again. 
So that day I just told her, just do, and we were visiting Rwanda, just do popcorn and peanuts. They call them G-nuts. And uh, she didn't believe me. I could tell she was really struggling. But she was a woman of faith. She said, according to your word. So she told me the next day, by the way, my DG is at my house. Can you come? I didn't know I was being set up. I showed up at the DG. And the, she, I was wait, you know, you're all waiting for food. She came out with a big bowl of popcorn. I gulped. <laughs> followed by, you guessed, a big bowl of G-nuts. And she was like, guys, we're here for DG. And she was looking at me like, higher. See, Ulisema, let's see. <laughs> But then I was even terrified. I was like, okay, God, if this thing bombs, she knows I'm the one who's sort of... I was giving advice. But here is what happened. Because nobody was worrying about Siju dishes, nobody was worrying about Siju, what was being put where, she was even able... Because the, the time before, she was in the kitchen managing. The time that was so exhausting. And then even some of the women had gone, you know how Africans go. And she said, by the time we were even eating food, like the women were tired, they were even sitting by themselves. The men had been talking about soccer the whole time. So we just ate and left, and everybody was too exhausted. She said, this time, we sat, and you know, we were there. Like, we started at 7, and she, had, she didn't expect this thing to go far. At midnight, at midnight, one of the guys said, excuse me, guys, are we going to work tomorrow? And that's when everybody looked and said, oh, my God. She, it was like the richest digitime she had ever experienced. And it's because she just invited them into her space. So, so tell your neighbor, relax. Even if you're a student running a DG in your room, hallelujah. Let them come into that room of yours and see how students live. Yeah. Let's just, if, 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 if she could do it with G-Nuts, you can do it as well. So let's make disciples. Who are you shaping to be like Christ? That's really the question you need to be asking yourself. Who are you shaping to be like Christ? Who are your spiritual children who look like you? Uh, for me, one of my biggest joys is when people come and tell me, hey, when Pastor Milton speaks, we hear you. Yeah. And by the way, Pastor Milton, they've told me that. Yeah. Pastor Kilonzi, even you have started hearing. When Pastor Kilonzi talks, we see Pastor M. And I'm like, yes. That's it. Today, I heard people say, Pastor Angie, she's a herbalist. She does this. And I was laughing because Pastor Caro was there. <laughs> and Pastor Angie, that's exactly what Pastor Caro does. I was laughing because I was like, yeah, like mother, like daughter. There's a, a way that she's becoming, she's becoming who God called her to be. Yeah, including being a herbalist. If you're Pastor Carol's daughter, you'll be a herbalist. Yeah, you will. So who are your spiritual children that you're shaping to be like you? And you don't have to be perfect. You're just saying, as long as my heart is postured to follow Jesus, that's what I want them to follow. Because the Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ. So the parts I'm not following Christ, I teach you, don't follow. The, anything you see that's not Christ-like in me, call it out. Don't follow it. Because I only want you to follow me as I'm following Christ. That's what Paul says. The last thing is planting. And then we can have lunch, amen? <laughs> planting. You know, by the grace of God, every church is called to be a church planting movement. And every person, every Christian has the seed of a movement within them. That's why it says, your descendants will dispossess nations. I believe that Nigeria, your, your descendants will dispossess nations. Phyllis, I believe your descendants will dispossess nations. I know you don't even know where your husband is coming from yet, but your descendants, your descendants. Yeah. I see some students at the back. I want to speak over you. Your descendants will dispossess nations. They will. As in you will have impact that will be global. 
That's God's intent, intent for his people. He doesn't want you to just live a mediocre life, have a nice business, and then die. That's not what he wants you to do. He wants your descendants to dispossess nations. And that's what we're talking about. I mean, I talked about RCCG, 50,000 churches. Why are those churches there? It's because the people have understood it is their descendants. So I remember I've, I've shared this story before at Mavuno, the, the RCCG in Lovington. Someone told me the story that this guy who started it was a UN diplomat. And UN diplomats are usually posted three, year, three years is their kind of their posting in a foreign country. So he came, UN, because, of, because UN allows him a nice allowance, he has a good house, he picks a big house, starts inviting people, starts praying for people in the office, starts preaching to them, starts discipling them, invites them home. They start meeting there for discipleship group, whatever they call it. They have their small groups that are similar to our discipleship groups. They start meeting there regularly. The thing becomes big as people are inviting others. As it grows, they become big enough that now, and because, of course, you know he's reaching people in Lovington and people in the UN, they, can, they actually say, we can rent a space. Your house is now growing, becoming too small. So they rent a space. The church, now it becomes a church. He, didn't out, he, just, he was just leading a discipleship group. It becomes big. He's discipling people. Then his three years ends. And the UN posts him to Ghana. So what does he do? He turns to his assistant, who he's been with from the beginning. He says, this is your church now. He gets on the plane, goes to Ghana, gets a big house, repeat. That's how RCCG has 50,000 churches. Because everybody there has understood the resources I have are for the kingdom. This is what God is calling us all to do. In that university, the three years you're there is like a UN posting or four. Because you have four, you have a bonus. Yeah. What are you going to leave in that uni after you leave that is a kingdom entity because you were there? And every one of us is just being able to say, as God leads us, how are we going to start this work? I remember just meeting the, the, RCC, the, the team from Worship Harvest. They came to us in Germany, uh, the, the couple that started the church in Dortmund. And again, they're just regular members. They're both uh, engineers. Um, when they had God's word, they're like, okay, we can use our house. And now their church has grown. I mean, the, the, the group that was meeting in the house has grown enough. They've actually rented a property. And now they're meeting in Germany, speaking German. Ugandans, come on. You can't stop a church like that. You can't. This is what happens when God's people begin to understand, I, myself, am supposed to dispossess nations with my descendants. This is not a thing for people up there. Every one of us can do it. Uh, one of, I'm talking to a Mavunite right now who is, um, they came to visit here. They, they're from, they, they work in Accra. Again, uh, her husband works for the UN. And we're just having this conversation. They've been watching our gatherings. They follow the online service. And they're like, Pastor, we're here. What do we do? And I was like, start a DG in your house. Invite the women who work for the U who are married to UN staffers, your relationship. She's like, yeah. Invite them home. Start doing a fellowship. Get them to watch family night. And then her daughters, very sharp young girls, uh, teenagers. I was like, do you guys have friends? They're like, yeah. I'm like, can you guys invite your, your friends home on the weekend and have like a Bible study hour? She's like, yes. Like, do it. By the time we finished that lunch, because we had lunch a couple of months ago, we had agreed that in February, after we go to Lagos, because I told them we're coming to Lagos, we will actually fly north to Abuja and help them launch their community because their community is already starting to meet. It's that simple. I mean, it's like they're not planting a church. They're just starting a group in their house that watches the service. And as people are being transformed, we are trusting God as they're praying, they're preaching, they're pastoring, that this thing was going to grow into a plant. That's how God intended to be. By the way, when I started, I used to write proposals for church plants. I used to do proposals sometimes to, to 
people in the West and say, uh, send me $10,000, I'll plant a church in Rwanda. You know, by the way, I stopped writing those proposals. I'm like, why does, like, if they even ask me now, I'm like, I don't need money to plant churches, I have people. We don't need money, we have people. God has given us resources. What do you have in your hands? It's his. And if you could just understand that, my goodness, the kingdom of God will advance. And that's what God wants of us. Now, I want to conclude by saying this. Jesus talked about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. How many people know that they're fruitful Christians, that their, their portion is to be fruitful Christians? Amen. That's for all of us. 30-fold, in my view, is a discipleship group leader. That's what it takes because at least you're influencing 10 or so people who are influencing a few others and you have fruit. There are people who are following you as you're following Jesus. That's what it means to be fruitful. 60-fold is when your discipleship group begins to multiply and you're see, overseeing more than one discipleship group. We call that a missional community leader in Mavuno Church. And what does that mean? It means that now my people ha- are more and have more fruit. A hundredfold is what we call a zonal leader in Mavuno Church. A zonal leader is a person whose your groups have multiplied enough that now you're actually leading a zone in a church. Yeah? Uh, who was it who introduced a zonal? I mean, there are some people here who are zonal pastors. Pastor Penina, just wave. That's Pastor Penina. Yeah? In fact, stand so the people at the back can see you. Yeah. You're, not, you're not shy. That's Pastor Penina. She's a zonal pastor at Mavuno Connect. She's Pastor Victor's zonal pastor. And that means that she is overseeing the groups that are in a certain region. She's a zonal pastor. By the way, she has, she's a businesswoman. She has a business that sells toys. That's what she does full time. For her, church is the side hustle. Actually, no, no, no. The business is the side hustle so that she can work for church. And that's what she's doing. That is the portion of everyone in this house. Every, everyone in this house. That's what God is calling them to do. I want to pray for us. But imagine living a life of fruitfulness that will impact nations. Imagine after you go that people across the world will know your name and their lives will be forever changed. Imagine that you'll be traveling to places and people will be weeping tears of joy because you lived and you impacted somebody who impacted them and they're believers because of you. Oh my gosh, that is your portion. That is your portion. Last week I met a German who's probably in his maybe early 70s and he told me, Pastor, I've always wanted to meet you because I gave my life to Christ in this church because of Pastor Daniel. He said, if not for you sending him, I would not be here. I said, my goodness, that is what it means to be fruitful. Every one of us, that is your portion in Christ Jesus. That nations will be dispossessed because of you. That you will be fruitful and that your fruit will last. It's the only thing that counts. Your car is a tool towards that. Your your house is a tool towards that. Your family is a tool towards that. But fruitfulness is your portion. Come on, let's stand up to our feet just for a second. I want us to just pray for fruitfulness for one minute. Just say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. Just speak out aloud and just say, Lord, give me fruitfulness. May people be impacted because of me. I know you can pray for yourself right now. Remember, your pastor is not praying for you. Your pastor is praying for their own fruitfulness. Could you just raise your, could you just raise our voice for one second and just say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. Lord, I want to have people across the world who are impacted because of me. Lord, I want to be like Apostle Paul who had people across nations who are different because they lived. Lord, I want to leverage every resource you've given me that people will be changed for eternity because I lived. Lord, I want to be fruitful. 
I want to be fruitful. Lord, make me to be fruitful. Father, I pray for every person who's praying that prayer right now. Ah, Lord, I want to declare over them right now the promise you gave us this year. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind can even imagine the things that God has in store for you. And I declare that over the next few months, over the next few years, even you will be in shock when you see what God does because of a response to this prayer. I bless you, Lord, because you're in this house. And even as we go for lunch right now, we just receive it with thanksgiving because we know you have food for us, spiritual food and physical food. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and God's people say, Amen. Amen.